Downloads of the show are available at Podomatic.com or the Podomatic mobile app. Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, February the 13th, 2018. Are you February-weary yet? <laughs> I know that I am. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Whoop-de-doo! I was never really that happy about that manufactured holiday. I always just like go have a burger and a beer or something. The anti-Valentine's Day! I used to tell my boyfriends, if you really want me to like you on Valentine's Day, like buy me meat or give me some weed. If you give me like Whitman sampler chocolates or give me one of those friggin' teddy bears or even worse, Korean deli dyed roses, out, 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 out. (laughs) It's true. Oh my God. I think also tomorrow Valentine's Day is the first day of Lent. How do you like that? That's crazy. Like, if you're Catholic, and if you're, if you're really Catholic, how do you, like, fast and, and like, uh, uh, you know, stuff when you're supposed to be, like, eating all this chocolate? Well, I don't have to worry about that. And probably neither do you. But let's listen to the eels right now. With Novocaine for the soul. No matter who and where you are. Splutter out. Da-da-dum, dum, dum. Before I splutter out. Oh my god, we're back <laughs> with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was the Eels with Novocaine for the Soul from their beautiful Freak album back in 1996. Oh my god, you caught me singing. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh well, I love that song. I don't know why. I really love like that cello bass thing in it. I don't know. I, I like stuff like that. I like the 90s. I miss the 90s sometimes. I'm glad to be living now in the present, but, you know, the 90s were good for me. 
I hope they were good for you, too. I realize some of you listening may have been born in the 90s. Huh, not even born in the 90s. Woo! This is what I love about internet radio. I have no clue who's listening. It's like I do this song to please myself, but, you know, I hope it pleases you, too. Well, we're going to get back to this 90s kick, because I'm kind of on it. And this song was actually picked, handpicked by today's guest artist for their episode. And it's by Lisa Loeb. It's called Underdog from her Hello Lisa album. And I stand corrected. Lisa Loeb was a 90s artist, but this album is from 2002. Okay, Lisa Loeb and Underdog on Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was, once again, Lisa Loeb with Underdog from her Hello Lisa album back in 2002. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's so ironic and 
I guess not funny haha, but funny peculiar, how different words can mean different things to different people at different times. To me, when I first heard, oh, this song is called Underdog. I mean, I know what an underdog is. You know, like, like the New York Mets. They are the quintessential underdogs, okay? But for me and other people, I think that may be listening, underdog was the Saturday morning, the quintessential Saturday morning cartoon of our well-spent youth. <laughs> you don't believe me? I have that song right here, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Tell me if uh, you think you remember this, guys. When criminals in this world appear and break the laws that they should fear and frighten all who see or hear, the cry goes up both far and near for underdog, 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 underdog. Speed of lightning, roar of thunder, fighting all who Dog theme from Saturday morning cartoons of my well-spent youth. <laughs> well, kids, it's time now for our guest artist of the week, and you know what that means. It's time for my favorite part of the show. Whoa, whoa. Everybody, welcome to Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist of the Week. Woohoo! So I'm sitting here with a storyteller that I haven't known for very long, but whose work has always intrigued me. And you know, sometimes I'll have people on that I know for a million years, and sometimes I have people on that I've only known for a matter of months. And I think you fall a little bit into this category. So Do it? Well, yeah. I don't know. Well, and, well, well, we'll figure it out on the air. Okay. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua, David Arroyo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have to do that because I know you're a fellow of Boricua. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You know, Arroyo is actually a name in my family. Mom, my grandmother's side. Yeah, there okay. were there there were arroyos and acostas and poles. Yeah, I'm I have arroyo and pineros. Pinero. Pinero. Yeah, you have to have to pronounce the pinero. Yeah, in English is pinero. Right, I know. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Italian. What town? Uh, I'm from Bayamon. Oh, Bayamon, okay. Mm -hmm. well, like um, my geography on that island. It's is like, like about uh, let's say about 20 minutes from San Juan. It's like a blueberry blue collar. Are you are you on? Is town. it the coast? It's coast, right? It's, the, or it's no, in? Bayamon. Bayamon's more in. Okay. And then my parents now live in Vega Baja, Vega Alta, or oh, Dorado. Vega Alta. Dorado, basically. They live in the border between Dorado and Vega Alta. Did so. they get power back yet? They did. Yeah. Yay! Because yeah. um, well, some of my my mom's family is from Corozal, which is not that far. Away mm -hmm. and uh, there's there was some like Titi Vieja, Ma Viejas out there that didn't have power for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So anyway, well, we'll probably get back to PR and other stuff uh, pretty soon. But sure. what uh, I want to know is how did we meet? Well, I asked I everybody. I remember I remember seeing you at the mall 
Really? Oh, yeah, I remember you telling a story. I don't at the moth? Oh, that's a long yeah. time ago. I haven't done moth in it years. Years, yeah, it was years oh, ago. Wow. I think I remember. I think, and I hope I'm I'm not confusing with somebody else. But you told a story about telling Stanley getting booed off the stage. I could have. Yeah, I think that was one of the stories. Oh, jeez. And then uh, I remember we met officially met. Uh, at Tail, we did a Tail together. Oh, Harmon Leon's Harman show. show yeah. I love that show. Yeah, that's an awesome show. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, isn't it incredible when um, years ago, like The Moth was it? I mean, no, yeah. there was The Moth, there was The Liar, Andy Christie's Liar, Liar Show, show yeah. uh, Sherry Weaver's Speakeasy Show. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that one. Okay, okay. Yeah. So then you don't go back not that I don't far. Not that far. Yeah. <laughs> not that far, medium far. I think like 2012, <laughs> maybe? Oh, okay. Yeah, probably the last time I, I, I did a moth was like, yeah, around there. Wow, that's a, yeah. such a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, so like, you know, there weren't that many shows, and now there's a plethora. Oh, I, I, like, yeah. I like to use vocabulary. A plethora of storytelling shows. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Um, wow. Compared to like, LA, which LA, I went to LA for my honeymoon. Oh, and yeah, congratulations. Thank you. David is a newlywed, newlywed, yeah, newlywed. Yep, yep, I got, I got hitched. Uh, yeah, in LA, there there are some storytelling shows, but not as like regular as New York. New York it seems to be like the, like the, the, the hub of all yeah. storytelling shows. Well, and LA is just more spread out, though, because mm -hmm. you, you um, well, no, they do have a subway there, but it's it's yeah. not the same. I've not been same, I've been yeah. to LA a couple of times, and you you need a car, or you're riding the bus with mm -hmm. like basically people that are talking to themselves, smell bad, and have no shoes, which yeah. is, to me is like the three warning signs of stay the fuck away. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, just everything is like really really spread out. I mean, there is a lot of stuff there. I know yeah. they have a big group on Facebook. They for have a Facebook LA group, storytelling. yeah, but it's not as it's not as organized as like let's say the New York one. The New York one is like. It's like if you want to know where, if you want to know a good storytelling show, you just go on your Facebook page mm. and you're there. You 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 got like three shows already lined up. Or, Maybe it's like a tale of two coasts. Yeah. You have laid back L.A. Yeah. and like I'm on it, New York. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more like you have to be in the scene in L.A. to like know where um, the storytelling shows are. Okay. I know there's a, one regular one which is um, John Flynn moved. Oh, oh hey yes. guys. I remember. From New York. I remember him. To L.A. So mm -hmm. now he has that show there. And there's so. a couple of people from the East Coast. I mean, it's like, I'm not like it's like rap, Perhaps. like East Coast, yeah. West Coast. But there were a couple of East Coast people. There was a guy that I knew up in Boston named Scott Schultz, mm -hmm. who does a show in L.A. now called Busted. Yeah. And the story's about riding the bus. I heard about that one, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think I to see one. Yeah, and Christopher that. Corbell is another uh, person. He, I think he's from the Bronx originally, mm -hmm. and he's out there now. Well, anyway, so speaking Crab of... also, yeah. Who? Crab, David Crab. Oh, yes, David Crab. That's right. But David Crab was from Texas originally. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was on East Coast. Yeah. He's like South Coast. He's South Coast. <laughs> South Coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like me. I'm very South. So, so okay. Well, speaking of that, so uh, what's your origins? Where are you from besides being Boricua? Were you born well, there or here? No, I was born in Bronx. In the Bronx, all right. Bronx, Ooh, fellow Bronx, yeah. but equal. And I lived there until I was three, and then I moved. We moved all the way down to Puerto Rico, and I lived in Puerto Rico until I was like twenty-eight. Oh my gosh! So you grew up in PR. I grew up in PR. Wow! Yeah. And you have no accent. I know it's my curse. Wow. I got in trouble a lot for that. Wow. No, honey, you look Puerto Rican. You no one can mistake it for anything else but. But wow. I've been confused for instance. I'm confused for Italian. Uh, one time I was confused for Jewish. I think it was because I was wearing a fedora. Oh. And with my beard, it looked... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you th they thought you had payases? Exactly, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. And then one guy confused me with Pakistani, which I was like, what? Oh, really? you know what? Yeah, I can kind of see. I can see that. Mm -hmm. I, I actually can, but, you yeah. know, but I don't know. I, I kind of think that I have anometer, mm -hmm. like a thermometer, you know? I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. So you, you lived in PR until you were 28. So yeah. what made you come back to New York? Well, uh, that's a long story. Basically, I, I originally had wanted to come to New York when I graduated high school, but I didn't have the balls to do it. I remember I went on a trip to New York, and I was planning on doing it, and uh, I was at a store, and I was talking to, this, to, to the cashier, and it was this girl around my age, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about moving over here. And she's like, why would you move over here? You live in PR. It's way better here over there than over here. And I, it's kind of scared me. So she scared me. And so I, I stayed in PR. And then finally I had a car accident uh, when I was 26. I had a really bad car accident. I didn't get hurt in it like that, but it just kind of shook me. Mm. And at the time I was working at a, as a car, in a car service as a, as a chauffeur. And I crashed my, my car, not the chauffeur car, but my car. Like Uber? But uh, like from... Kind of like, but like for, for hotels. Oh, okay. So I was like driving around like a lot of rich folks from Long Island, you know, a lot. NPR. NPR, yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, were you like in Isla Verde, like that whole strip? No, I was in Dorado. Oh, okay. In Dorado. Dorado has like a couple like of resorts there. Oh, okay. Because there's that uh, strip on the other side yeah, that goes... Yeah, it's Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all it's just hotels there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like Ricky Morton's restaurant mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whatever. Condado, I think. Condado. Yeah, Condado yeah, yeah. is like the... Is like... Uh, also has like a lot of touristy stuff so there, too. So when, when that girl asked you why would you want to move, like, do you mind if I ask how long ago that was? That was like when... I was like years ago. That was like when I was... Uh, I think it was like 19 or 20. Oh, okay. So we, are we talking the 90s or the 90s, early 2000s? Yeah. yeah, okay. Because I'm trying to figure out why would she say, like, don't come to New York. I'm just trying to think, well, how bad was the crime, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was like it was like 98, 99 around oh, there. Oh, well, that's when it started. That's when, that was like the cusp of, like, the whole gentrification, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was like the turn of the century. Yeah, I mean, I, I realized that now when I moved over here. I moved over here back in 08. And, um, but yeah, I had a car accident, and I was working as a, as a chauffeur, and uh, what happened was uh, I was getting, I was starting to get sick of driving around a lot of rich folks from Long Island, you know. I could see how that would be tedious. Yeah. Sorry, was, nothing against Long Island, but you know, there's assholes everywhere. Yeah, but I was getting tired of like you know staying up like really late in the night and coming back home and during the day and just conking out and doing strip club tours and stuff like that for like the for the bachelor parties and stuff like that, which is yeah. always like babysitting basically. And I would think that having to be around people that are on vacation mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing a side of these people yeah. that may not be what their actual right, like, side yeah. is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because people are figured, well, they're, they're never going like, to see people again. And they're like, I don't know if it's their true self comes yeah. out or if in other cases they're just like, Wee! Yeah, it's like a story that Quentin Tarantino once told. He used to work at the airport, and he said that was the worst job for him because he was seeing people having their dreams come true and just, like, leaving to go someplace else oh. every day. And he was, like, always stuck where he was, like, you know, working the, at the airport. Oh, my God. So I felt kind of like that, kind of like, like you know, it like, felt like, you know, um, I was just kind of, like, riddleless in, in life. Mm. And um, I always wanted to be a writer. You did. I was going to get to that. Yeah. I always wanted to be a writer, and um, and and then I didn't know it, but I really wanted to perform. Huh? Did you come? Do you come from a family that's artistic at all? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, my dad can draw pretty well, but he's he's more like a carpenter. He like mm. makes like 
furniture and he makes like really beautiful stuff. Now there's know. a connection with that. Yeah. I mean, someone who's a master carpenter and makes furniture, that's an art. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm a son of a carpenter, but I'm just saying, I'm just a car, I mean, he's like really doesn't carpenter. My mom's not artistic at all, not at all. So I was always like the weirdo of the family. Huh, I, I, oh, so you were, you were the fish out of agua. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the artist, the artist sheep. Yeah. So um, did, w when you went to school, did you like really like gravitate to art classes? Were there any yeah, curriculums Yeah, I gravitated toward English classes. I gravitated toward um, not art, but more like creative writing classes. Mm. Um, and now this was in plays. Spanish, or was yeah. it bilingual education that you had it was, there? It was in bilingual. It was bilingual, um, okay. I went to a military school until I was like, uh, ninth grade, and then I switched over to an all-American school. An oh, okay. Speaking school, and did you write in English or in Spanish? I was writing in English. Okay. I was writing in English. I never wrote in Spanish. You know. Interesting. Because my mind always my mind works in English. But you're totally bilingual, right? I'm completely bilingual. And yeah. you can read and write in Spanish. Yeah, I can. But your mind works in English. It works in English. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. Okay, so I'm. One and a half lingual? Seriously, mm -hmm. like I speak enough Spanish that people think I know more than I do when I get in trouble, when I mess up syntax so I don't have the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, David, I will dream in Spanish. Oh, really? And then I will wake up because I don't know what the fuck I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it like, just slips out. Oh my like, God. If I get, like if I get frustrated, I'm like going like, you know, like, coño. Oh, curses. Like it's cursing a lot. Oh, yeah. my God. But that's not your natural thing, is it's to not be my cursing natural a lot. Thing, no, no. Like, I, I will say conyo all the time because yeah. I'm just... Conyo is just yeah. a common word. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like saying yeah. damn. And people don't know what it means, and you just like, conyo. Yeah. Like, what? No, nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting back to you, to your education. So you were gravitating to all the creative writing classes in your school. Were you in high yeah. school at this point? Or I was in high school, and uh, I remember I entered, uh, I won a... A creative writing contest in school. Um, really? What grade? Really, that was like in tenth grade. That is cool. Yeah, I won. I won a. Um, and how how did that go over with your family? It went over pretty well. I mean, my parents don't really care that much. You know, they're just like going like, oh, he's alive. Okay, well you that's know? good. Well, I've got. That's right. I guess yeah. I figured. You know, he's he's not shooting people like shooting yeah. heroin. So that's anything exactly. else is fine. Yeah. Wow. So, but they always kind of support my writing and stuff. You know, that's like, good. I got, I got a couple of. Uh, Articles in the paper. Yeah. You know, when I was like 18, I got a couple of. Uh, in the local paper. In the local paper. Yeah. Wow. Did you get to go to college from that? Uh no. Well, college and me, we never mixed really well. I I went to four colleges. A lot of creative people have never this thing. If finished. you listen to the other some of the other people that I've had yeah. on, like they go from place to place to place because they can't figure yeah. out what it is they're gonna do. So exactly. What happened with you with that? So I went to. I graduated high school and then I went to a college in in, in Puerto Rico called Inter American University. Oh, okay. Uh, we call it Inter. Oh, know? okay. And um, I went because my dad was like, going like, you're going to college, and I'm like, going like, oh, okay. And so I went, and completely was rudderless to have no idea what I was majoring in. I majored in computers. I didn't even learn anything from computers. I, <laughs> I never went past my basic classes, you know. And then I went to another school and I did like a trimester's program. And that was an all-English-speaking course, uh, and that was okay. And then I went to another school uh, because, like, I was just like, I'll just go like, you know, I just can't. I don't like. I, don't, I, I just couldn't really fit in. Hmm. You know, store of my life. I can never fit in anywhere. And um, and then I I jumped to two more colleges, and finally I just, I just decided, hmm. you know what, college is just not for me. Yeah, you know, it's not for some anybody. people. Some people are into it, and they can do yeah. really well in it. Like my wife, my wife is like really a really good studious, studious kind of person, but like I 
I'm just like I'm just like too absent-minded to like you know ADD to like really sit down and just like you know, ADD. Yeah. You mean artist deficit disorder? Yeah, exactly. That's what I call it. Wow. You know, I find it fascinating, David, that um. All your schooling and PR was like basically English because I mm -hmm. interviewed someone who also grew up in PR mostly and she did everything in Spanish. So how could that yeah. be? Yeah, you know, it's really it's really kind of a curse to be honest with you because... Why would you say that? Because, you know, I'd be... I, I, had, I had... There was a lot of people would get pissed off at me because they're going like, what's wrong with you? Why are you, why are you speaking English so well? Why do you speak English so well? Why? What are, you, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? What are you trying? What are you trying? To, what, what are you? What are you a coconut? Like what, what's wrong with you? Oh my you God! Know? So it's like right. If you're too, if if you're too educated, then you're not keeping it real. Exactly. That kind of thing. Oh, I hate exactly. that. Shit. I hate that shit. It was just like a lot of a lot of that bullshit, you know. And um, and uh, and so like for a while, it's like you know, I would let people believe that I that I lived from, that I came from New York. And that I like grew I grew up in New York or something like I grew up Pennsylvania or something like that. You Pennsylvania know, or something like that. You know, like anywhere they would think that I, I was like, yeah, I, I was from there, definitely. Well, yeah. Because you really don't have a New York accent mm -mm. that much either. You have yeah. you have like what? When I was trying to take acting classes a while ago, they would, I think they would call standard American diction. Exactly. And they tried to beat that shit into me, and it didn't work. So now I just talk like this. And yeah, I, yeah. And you know what? I don't care. Yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Cable. Cable raised me. Yeah. Cable raised wow. Me. You you could you could be a newscaster. I can. You could. Yeah. Hmm. David Arroyo. And now the news with David Arroyo. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so you worked at Odd. So after. You you got your creative writing things, but then you ended up driving rich people around at the resort, and yeah. then you had a car accident, and that was like a turning point. In it was like life. a turning point because I realized that like you know I could have died, um, and I was like you know what have I done in my with my life that you know if I, if I died tomorrow hmm. would I be happy with what my life was? Oh jeez, so not only were you didn't have a car accident, you had like your quarter life crisis. Exactly. Oh my and god. And so and so that's when I decided I quit my job. I took. I sold my comic books. I sold all my DVDs, and oh, that must have hurt. It did, yeah. And then I, I just moved up here, and it coincidentally enough, my cousin was leaving her apartment, and so I just got, moved right into her apartment in, in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Wow, yeah. where in the Bronx? Uh, Pelham Parkway, like David Who. Oh. It, right by his neighborhood, right over. Oh there. my God, that's crazy. Yeah. Now I live in Brooklyn, but right. before, yeah, I was like. I would live there for a while. So, what got you in, into storytelling? What got you onto that road? Well. Did you continue to write? I continued to write a lot. I did like a lot of blogging. Um, I wrote for a lot of pop culture online websites. Like what? Um, Forces, Forces of Geek, comic book resources. Um, um, San Juan Star wrote for them a couple of articles for them, um, and they're really got never really nothing really ever really panned out about that. I never really got paid or anything like that for it, but I was just like just getting my creative like juices out, mm. you know. And one day I took a class. I was in one of my. I was in my last college, and I was taking a communications class. And oh, here. So your last college was here. In was here in BMCC. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I was taking a, a, a class for communications, and the teacher uh, was like, "Oh, we're going to talk about our, our our hidden passions," and so she brought in NPR, This American Life, and I'd wow. never heard anything about from it like at all. And I listened to it, and I got hooked on This American Life. What what then, do you remember what what exact show it was or like what they were talking about? Um, no, I mean like I remember them talking about um, there was this one story they did about this guy who 
had a had a set up a phone system where you could call in and leave a voicemail to just any to just a random voicemail basically. And so it was like it turned out it wound up being like kind of like a sin eater kind of thing where people a what? Would call a sin eater. Oh, like that's what that's why I kind of consider it. It was kind of like a sin eater kind of thing where people would call in and they would tell their sins and they would confess about oh, stuff and then okay. they would like you know hang up. And so it was like you know just listening to people. T- People's recordings and you know. One so guy. it was all anonymous. It was all anonymous. Yeah, and that was one. That was the story I, I heard from This American Life. And, wow. Um, wow. It was just and it was just disturbing stuff. Like people were calling, and one guy was like, "I killed my little brother when he was a baby, and no one knows." And look, you know, I have my mouth open. Okay. Yeah, it was mouth just open on the radio. Amazing, oh my amazing radio God. story. Yeah, and so I got hooked. I got hooked on This American Life, and then. Uh, one day, I think I heard, I think it was Mike Birbiglia's, uh episode mm. where he they talked about the moth and he started like you know mentioning Mike Birbiglia, and I got I, I really gravitated toward him and his storytelling method, and um, I was like I looked it up and I was like you know what I'm gonna go to the moth screw it I'm gonna do it, so I went down, got there and I got picked last, and I and I went up and I told a story and I sucked. Oh, and I thought you were gonna tell me you won. No, 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 I sucked. I had I, sucked. I had a bunch of people on mm-hmm. that came, went to the moth the first the time, time and they went picked, up. And picked, they, I, that was yeah. me. I got you picked won. last. You I won. won. I remember that? Yeah. Yeah. David Crabb was another one that did that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anoush uh, Franji is another one that did that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a there's a ton of people. But like, but you even though I sucked, Aww. even though I sucked though, I still felt like this amazing rush in in me after afterwards mm. going like going like man if i how long ago was this this was like back in 2012 i think okay so oh so right around so like for six years ago yeah around there yeah and so um but i felt this amazing rush and i was like going like man i sucked and i still feel this good imagine if i did really well mm. how good i would feel then and so i started like practicing my stories and it got better and better and better and better and it got a little bit better and so and i and i got picked it was coincidentally, I went to like three more moths and got picked every every single time, and every single time my stories got better, and got better, and got better, and then finally I took a class with um, the crab. Ah, uh, yeah, he's great, the crab lab. Yeah, the crabster. I took a class with David Crab, um, and he kind of taught me kind of structure, and so mm. once I learned the structure, from then on it was just like easy peasy, and uh, and then I won my first moth. Uh, I'd say about three years ago. That's great. Yeah. And you haven't stopped since. Yeah. So um, t- let's tell let's talk a little bit about your uh, your geekdom. Mm-hmm. Has any um, so wh- what's your are you like are you a gamer? Are you a cosplayer? Do you like comics? What's your thing? Um, I like comics and sci-fi. Oh, okay. So Doctor Who. Yeah. Star Trek. Ooh. Star Wars. Um, yes. Comic books. So you know, you're a geekerican. Yeah, geeker. Wow. So how does being a geek influence you? In your writing and your stories. Well, um, I, I, I can I consider like some people kind of like my my where my storytelling structure comes from, my storytelling style comes from. It comes from geeky people, so it comes from like Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is one of the people who really influenced me a lot. If you listen to like he has this DVD called An Evening with Kevin Smith, and he just tells stories. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing DVD. You gotta check it out. It's great, and I just like started taking it from there, and my style kind of started. You'll see my style. My, my storytelling style. I, just, I feel so pretentious, but no, it's just like a storytelling style. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it influences me a lot, you know, because like you know, a lot of my stories are, are, are about um, bad dates, or um, 
or geeky stuff, you know, being like considered like an outsider, kind of like Dens, you know, that's usually what my style, my, my stories tend to be more about, you know. Some people have like, you know, these like big amazing stories, mine are like, they focus on like little things. The small things. The small things, yeah. yeah. But, you know, a lot of times the small things are the big things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I also notice on, because you're very active on social media, mm-hmm. and I also notice that you are a big advocate for mental health. Yes. We want to talk a little, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I grew up not knowing that I was bipolar. Um, for it, it hit me when I was when I turned when I went into my teens. Like my, I was I remember I was I was always like kind of a little sad kid, but like when I hit my my teens, that's when like the the storm came, Ooh. and I had like just like a lot of mood swings up and down, up and down, up and down. And I didn't I didn't seek help for it um, until uh, 2010 or 20 the 2011 around there because I had a back a, a, um, I had a, a, a back injury and I started taking Percocet and I started noticing how I went from being this like introverted kind of shy person. And when I took Percocet, I was like this outgoing, happy person, energetic, and you know, oh, that's talking and stuff like that. And then like I, I realized, yes, yeah, something's definitely wrong here. And so um, I got help, and I now take medication for it. And uh, that's not Percocet. It's not Percocet, obviously. Yeah. Oh my god. Because yeah, it was Percocet, I'd be like all, all, all over the place. But uh, no, I take um, I take Ambilify, I take Wellbutrin, I take uh, Propapanol. Um, I take um, uh, hydros, hydro something, whatever. And, and I know you've you've been very very open, very transparent about it. Yeah. And I noticed that it's also opened up for a lot of other people to feel comfortable and talk about, yeah. you know, their anxiety or or, or their battles as yeah. well. And that because, that's, I mean, that's a beautiful yeah. thing because it's part of it's part of storytelling mm-hmm. is that we you 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 talk about your experience and it opens up and it makes other people not feel ashamed or yeah. afraid because yeah. people think that they're the only one going through something. Yeah, and especially because I come from a culture that's, like, very anti-mental health. Oh, yes, I know. Please, I don't mean, even. I know. I know. People, they, they, they just think, like, oh, well, you know, you just don't know how to handle your shit. You know, that's just the way... No, you know, I, it, listen, that's one of the, 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 the yeah. things from... Uh, it, it's, it's ingrained in our culture, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, with now, you know, with, with all the other social changes and, and, up, and upheaval that's happening lately, mm-hmm. hopefully that'll be the last door that gets kicked in. Yeah, I definitely. do know that mental health was one of the big skeletons in the closet um, it, in my family as well. Mm-hmm. My mother needed help at a point in her life, and she basically got uh, put away when yeah. she didn't need to, and it, yeah. and it basically affected the family for yeah. the rest of the She still feels the ramifications of that, and she's in her 80s now. Yeah, I mean, my parents, um, my dad's definitely, I think my dad's definitely bipolar. Um, my grandma was, was insanely, had like a rage inside of her that was like insane. Like, you know, if you think about like the, the, the mean little old lady, mm. she like took that to like the, the 20th level. Oh basically. my God. Yeah, there's just so much in, in Latin culture that, you know, along with the the greater society that just needs to be acknowledged and addressed. I mm-hmm. mean, the whole macho thing. Yeah. I would think that that would just come out of insecurity, and the insecurity comes out of something else. It's it's like the the dog that that chases its tail. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. So when you um, after you 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 won the moth, what did you set your sights on next to? Um, 
I just basically, I feel like, sometimes I feel like I'm like this like, like blue collar storyteller because um, I don't teach classes. I don't uh, hang in the, in, the, in the higher circles in the storytelling scene. There's high circles in the storytelling scene? Yeah, like, you know, like, for know. example, like, um, there's like, there's definitely like a click in the storytelling scene, which is not totally, I'm not saying there's anything bad about it. I mean, it's just, just the way this just kind of gravitates. It's mostly because I'm really shy. Mm. So, um, so I feel like, um, you know, I'm like this like, kind of like a blue collar kind of storyteller where I just go in, I tell a story, I do that, and I leave, and I do it, I repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So. That was like, oh my God, there was this art movement mm-hmm. in, uh, I think, was it abstract expressionism? They used to hang out at this bar on University Place that I can't think of the friggin' name of it. But there were these, um, there were all these artists that they considered themselves blue collar artists. They would like carry these like lunch pails with them, and they were mm-hmm. railing against the people that they considered more elite that had like the fancier educations that yeah. had gone to like Ivy League schools and stuff and they'd drink beer and they'd fart and they'd burp and they'd terrorize the other people to be like, oh, why is he like that? So I, I too sometimes have felt less than also mm. in, in certain in interactions with certain individuals. There yeah. have been many shows that I had wanted to be on and pitched and never heard back. There are people who I admire greatly that have never booked me on their show, mm-hmm. but that's just the way it is. You yeah, know what I mean? It's I, like, it's like, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, um, it's, not, it's I don't system, think it's personal. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's, boy, it, I don't even know. it's just, just the way it is. It's, all, it all, about you? Some, it's all about socializing. If you're a good socializer, I find that you tend to do more shows. Get get more book shows than than like if you're an antisocial kind of person. It's, it's hard. I yeah. mean, it it it's so hard to to be a producer, as well as a performer. Mm-hmm. But like you know, to have a day job, to be a working artist, mm-hmm. and then you're putting X amount of time in on your craft, whether you're taking classes or you're working on stories or you're going to open mics mm-hmm. or you're doing you know your 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 book shows, and to then to be a producer on top of that, it's you're busy all the freaking time. Trust yeah. me. Sometimes it's, it's it's I don't take it personally. You know, like if I don't get on the show, I don't take it personally. Yeah, no, I like used to people, not not anymore. Yeah, not yeah. anymore. There's just there's too many there's too many things to do. There's too many factors. Yeah, going and into and it. also you know sometimes that's not your thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's the way I, I look at it now. Like yeah. if I try for something a couple of times and it doesn't happen, I'm like, all right, maybe that's not the thing for me. Yeah, exactly. You know, like for example, um, I pitched for. Um, to do a story out of town, and I didn't hear back, and then I heard back, and then I did it, and now I'm going to be on television. Like, you never friggin' know. Yeah, yeah. So you just don't know. It's a crapshoot sometimes, you know? Yeah, and you have to keep doing it, and, yeah. and the thing is to keep yourself somehow motivated that you don't give up. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you do to keep yourself motivated? Um, let's see, uh, I just f- focus on the story. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember, I remember uh, a long like before I won the story slam, I was obsessed with winning the story slam, and I was like just go to moth after moth after moth after moth after moth and just trying to tell, trying to win, trying to win, trying to win, getting frustrated and getting like angry at the judges and getting like you know just like feeling like this, this like in this like um, feeling of like inadequacy, and 
then finally I was just about, you know what? I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to just tell a story. I'm going to focus on my stories. I'm going to see how I'm going to try to make people laugh. The most I can try to do is make people laugh. And I did. And then I won the story slam. Wow. And then. So you relaxed. Yeah, for relaxed. It's like yeah. a couple that's trying yeah. to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant. And then they adopt the baby. Yeah. And then they get pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like that, you know. Well, I heard a little birdie say that you have a story for us today. I do. So uh, let's hear it. So okay. now, David Arroyo. Okay, so I grew up in Puerto Rico, and growing up in Puerto Rico, I felt like I was a mutant. Um, because, you know, I didn't fit in. I, 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 was, I spoke English really well. I was into comic books. I was into action figures. I was into video games. And a lot of people in, uh, who grew up in Puerto Rico, they were in a niche. So they were like, you know, the rockers, people that were into really rock, hard, uh, like death metal, people that were reggaeton people, people that were salsa people, people that were preppies, they were into sports. And I never fit into any of those categories. So I was always felt like I was like a, a mutant. I was like an outsider. And... Um, one day, um, and, and it made me, of course, it made me really sad, and one day I was at a video store and I uh, happened to come across a movie, and the movie was called Mallrats. And it was by Kevin Smith, and that's when I popped it in, I started watching it, and that's when I fell completely head over heels in love with Kevin Smith. Because his movies meant to me so much because I was seeing myself in the movies. I was seeing people that were just like me. And I realized that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't like a mutant. I was just born someplace different. And people, people I had my own tribe somewhere out there was waiting for me to come and meet them. And, you know, uh, I watched all his movies. I watched Clerks. I would work retail and watch Clerks all the time, like five times a five times, you know, a month, you know, I'd watch, um, Chasing Amy was like one of my favorite, favorite movies, I love Chasing Amy so much, uh, Dogma, eh, um, but, um, you know, I was just like, watched like a lot of, a lot of his films, and I, I read a lot of his, a lot of his writings, and stuff like that, and then fast forward 20 years, and he's doing podcasts now, and I'm listening to one of his podcasts called Hollywood Babylon, and in Hollywood Babylon, it's him and, and, and this guy called Ralph Garman, and they do a show about Hollywood and all, all the Hollywood gossip and stuff like that. It's really funny. And, but one of the recurring jokes around in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the show is that Ralph hates the, the, the comic Chelsea Handler. Uh, so it became a really huge deal when Kevin Smith announced that he was going to be on Chelsea Handler's show to promote his new movie called Red State. So I, find that, I, find, I just found that funny. And I'm like watching a, a foreign film called Downfall which is about Hitler and about how uh, he lost the war. And there's this really, in, it was really iconic scene where Hitler r goes on a tirade and he realizes that he lost the war. And I, I, was looking, I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, it's all in German, of course, it's all subtitled. And I'm watching this and I'm just thinking to myself, man, you know what would be funny? If I just took those subtitles and just changed them. And I wound up taking the subtitles off the movie and I started writing a, I started writing a script about how Hitler was so upset that, that Ken Smith went on to Chelsea Handler's show. And he was like, you know, he started crying and like that. It was really funny. And I, and I uploaded it to YouTube and I showed my friends and I had like five hits. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and we all laughed about it. And then like one day I'm like sitting at home and I get an email from YouTube saying like, your, your account has new activity. And I, so, and I click on my, 
my video, and my video went from being five views to 17,000 views. And the reason why is because my friend, not, mean, not knowing anything about it, my friend tweeted to Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith retweeted the link on his Twitter, and it just exploded. And I started getting all these, like, you know, um, messages from people going like, "Oh, you're so funny! I love this. I love this. These videos. Make more of them. Blah blah." And I, I felt like so. I felt like my tribe had finally just come to me, and I was like, I was like part of a tribe. And one day, uh, I find out that Ken Smith is going to be like my local, my, my local um, comic book store. And so I head, I head down there, and I'm waiting in line, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I don't know if you've ever seen like a, a, a celebrity, but when you see a celebrity, it's weird. It's really fucking weird. Uh, because you're just like going like, you know, oh my god, he's there, he's real, he's real, he's real, he's real! You know, and so I saw him, and I went up to him, and they go, David, this is Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, this is David. And I start shaking his hand, and, I goes, and he goes like, hey man, how are you? And I go, I'm the guy who made the Hitler video. He goes like, what? And I go, uh, I'm, I'm the guy who made the Hitler video? And he, he pulls me in close and he just goes, you're the guy? You're the guy who made the Hitler video? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the guy who made the Hitler video. And he goes, oh my God, that was hysterical. That was so freaking funny. I can't believe it. You were so funny. I, oh my God. And my mind just went, Pew! you know, blown. Mine is like completely blown. And all I'm hearing him say is just like, blah, 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 you're funny. Blah, 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 you're funny. And I'm just going like, you know, I can't believe I'm, I'm, this is happening to me. And I'm and in my head, I'm just thinking to myself, tell him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how, tell him how much his, his movies meant to you growing up. Tell him all about that. Just tell him. Just say something. But all that comes out, comes out of my mouth is just, nothing comes out of my mouth. You know. And so he takes my DVD, he signs my station, and he signs it, puts it in my bag. He pats me in the back and says, it was nice meeting you, and like I leave. And I'm in the subway station, and I'm sitting down, and I'm saying to myself, God, David, you're such a freaking idiot. I can't believe you. You had your chance to tell him how you felt, and you didn't tell him anything. And you just stood there like an idiot, because like a complete moron. you know. And I'm sitting down, and I reach in my bag, and I pull out my DVD, and look down, and it says, to David, you made a funnier flick than I ever could. Kevin Smith. That's it. Wow! Yeah. Oh my God! Did you see how like I was like I had to, I had to like get up because I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna bust bust out laughing in your face. Yeah. Well, David Arroyo, you do have a tribe. You I are do. part of the artist tribe and you are part of the storytellers tribe. And we are mad glad that you found us and that you are in it. And you better not ever friggin' leave. I hope not. Never. No. So um, what fabulousness are are you going to be up to coming up? You guys are going to see me a lot of open mics. Um, I'm going to be submitting to a lot of shows. My, my goal this year is to be on more shows than I was and I, than I've been in ever before. So, um, you know, just just check out my YouTube channel. Um, I upload videos. I try to um, upload what, What's the URL? The uh, URL is uh, just type in, just do a search for David Royal Moth and you'll find me. David Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O. Yes, O-Y-O. Oh, so are your, uh, your moth videos on there, too? All my moth videos are on okay, there. Okay, and you're, are you on IG and Twitter? I, I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Facebook more. Okay. Uh, I'm not a Twitter person. You know, it's just never got Yeah, Twitter's it. weird. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to get the hang of it, like, slowly, and it's taken me, like, a couple of years for yeah. it. All right, well, uh, I asked this of everybody in closing. Um... If you could say, and I know that you're never going to answer for this because we're the fellow fishes out of agua here, um, if you could say that one thing to the fish out of water and their family, 
wherever they may be or wherever they live that wants to do something else with their life that maybe their parents or the people around them don't understand and they have they feel like there's no way out what would you tell that child i'll just tell them just go for it you know i mean what's the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is you don't do well and there's and and, and the good thing about that is even if you don't do well tomorrow's another, another day so just do it just do it. Yeah. Words of wisdom from David Ayoyo, because you never know. No, exactly. All right. Thank you for being on Fish Out of Agua. Awesome. Hug on the air. Yeah. Mm, hug on the air. Woohoo! And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. And of course, immediately afterwards, I did remember the name of that blue collar artist bar during the abstract expressionism days. It was called the Cedar Tavern. And it was on University Place in the East Village, I think between 11th and 12th Street. And it closed in 2006. So, yeah, the Blue Collar Artist Bar is now gone. Cedar Tavern, I used to go there. Anyway, it was a good bar. But, you know, things change. All right, so next we have a song that David picked. It's from Enanitos Verdes, which means Little Green Dwarves or Little Green Men. They're an Argentinian rock trio. And this song is called Lamento Boliviano, Bolivian Lament.
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Once again, that was Los Enanitos en- Enanitos Verdes, or The Little Green Men, with Lamento Boliviano from their Big Bang album in 1994. Oh my God, I just loved that little flute. I loved the whole beginning of this song. It kind of reminded me of, well, no, not like Jethro Tull from the 70s, even though that was another flute thing. But it reminded me of like something out of Lord of the Rings, or am I just like the biggest geekerican that ever lived? Always thinking about Lord of the Rings. Anyway, la la la. <laughs> I just love it that I get exposed to so much music that I would never probably get to hear otherwise. Every single person, guest artist that I have on the show, just picks all these like amazing songs and they're my new favorites. So yes, once again, Michelle has favorites. So... Um, We're getting close to the end of our time together for this week, but I do have a couple of announcements to make. One is that uh, Radio Free Brooklyn programming is created by independent hosts and producers, and the views expressed by these hosts and guests on their programs do not represent the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. So thanks for listening. And this is what Brooklyn sounds like. (laughs) Yes, this is what Brooklyn sounds like. A diverse community of so many different voices. And if you haven't yet um, tuned in to any of the other shows on Radio Free Brooklyn, you must, you must. It's fantastic. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and just peruse the list. There is programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week, very few repeats. There's music, there's talk, there's all kinds of genres and all kinds of stuff. And hey, you know, if you like this show, Fish Out of Agua, or any of the other shows that you may become introduced to on Radio Free Brooklyn, there's something you could do. You can sponsor us. Yes, sponsor a living artist, please. Just go again to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and click on the Donate button and do what it says. All right, kids, this is really it now. I'm not fooling. That's our show. This has been Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo on Radio Free Brooklyn. Coming up next is Brooklyn Bandstand at 4 o'clock, and we are going to close with the last song that David Adoyo picked for his interview, it is by the country artist. Boy, David's got some eclectic taste here. I kind of like that. It's by the country artist, or country rock artist, whatever. They're, they're all crossover these days. Gavin DeGraw from his Chariot. It's called Chariot, and it's from the album that's also called Chariot back in 2003. Okay, so on with Gavin DeGraw. Brooklyn Bandstand is next, and we will see you next week.
remember seeing moons revert. Rings made mirrors of the earth. The sun was just yellow energy. There is a living promised land, even over fields of sand. Seas just fill my mind and cover me.